All right, welcome to Daybreak Community Church this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with in your Bibles to Psalm 142. This is how we'll start our service. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to lead worship. You've heard my worship leading stories. We're going to have uh, a, this, a video play in just a minute. But Psalm 142 says this, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up uh, my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my uh, complaint to him. Before him, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watches over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. David's writing these words, verse 4, look and see. There is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. David is in a, a deep time of distress. Verse 5. I cry to you, Lord. Uh, I say to you, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry. I cry out to you in my desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me. They are way too strong for me. Set me free from my prison that I may praise your name. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather We look forward to hearing your voice, whether it's through the songs that we sing or through the words that are spoken or through the the time we interact with one another. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen. We're going to talk about living without worry. And this one's a tough one for us because kind of how we operate is our mind maybe keeps us up at night. Maybe when you're laying in bed and your mind doesn't shut off, maybe you can think about what you actually are thinking about. Let me ask this a little bit different for you. What is it that you're worried about? You know, when we were kids, our worries were very different. (laughs) Maybe think back to when you were a kid. What were you worried about? I mean, I was worried about what time road hockey would start with all my friends in the neighborhood. Uh, Maybe some of us were worried about being left behind, not being included, or maybe some of us were even worried that our parents might get a divorce. But what else are we worried about? My, my guess is that we were not worried like we are today. Wouldn't it be awesome if what we were worried about as kids was as funny as what we worry about as an adult? I mean, we click on the news, we see what's happening in the Ukraine, we see political unrest, we see our economy not functioning the way that we think it should. Or maybe for some of us, it's that process of aging and we have an aging parent we're worried about the doctor what he's going to say to us at our next appointment or are our kids safe when they leave the home maybe for some of us it's uh, can I actually pay the bills that I have or is this college debt that I've accrued will I ever get out from underneath it Will I ever be able to get a job that I enjoy? Will I lose the job that I have? Am I going to be able to afford what I want to when I retire? 
Maybe for you it's, am I going to make a difference in this world? Some of you are going, I didn't have any worries till Matt started giving me that list. Now I'm really worried about. <laughs> for me, it's, a lot of days it's, man, I, I don't have the time to get everything done. I mean, as a husband, as a father, there's the work projects, there's the home projects, there's the fleet of four cars in the Wilkes clan. I just feel like I can never get it all done. What do I drop? What do I keep? So what are you worried about? Here's why I asked that question. Because what we worry about the most often reveals where we trust God the least. Let me say that again, and it's on the screen so that you can see it. What we worry about the most is often where we trust God the least. Matthew, 20, Matthew 6, sorry, verse 25 through 27 says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then verse 27, Jesus is saying this, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single day to your life? Uh, Corey Ten Boom, and, and that name would ring a bell with many of us, spent time as a child in a concentration camp. As a follower of Jesus, she said this, Worry does not empty tomorrow of its strength. It empties today of its strength. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its strength. It actually empties today of its strength. You know, we've all experienced that feeling. The, the title of today's message is simply Living Without Worry. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But we first have to answer one of the most fundamental questions that humanity has had to answer. It's one of the first questions that humanity actually answered. It's all the way back in Genesis. In Genesis 2, God created Adam. He gave him one rule. You can eat from any tree in this garden, except from the tree of good and the knowledge of good and evil. God then creates animals. We know the story. He creates Eve. Eve apparently learned the rule from Adam. She's in the garden one day. A new character in Genesis chapter 3 shows up. It's the serpent. It's the snake. This snake talks to, to Eve. And here's what the serpent says. Did God really say that? Did God really say that you can't eat from any tree? So the serpent twists the truth. And she, the serpent introduced a question to Eve that we ask ourselves even today. Did God really say that? Can you trust God? Is God really trustworthy? A, a few verses later in, e, well, Eve's in the garden, it says, she looked at the tree. She saw it was good to eat, that it was pleasing to the eye, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. And Eve made that choice. We know that choice. 
Just like we have the same choice with the 35,000 different decisions that we make every day. Am I going to trust what I can see? Am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust what I can touch? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I desire? Am I going to trust God or am I going to trust what I can control? Seriously, the, the question for us ser- in this morning is just this. Is God actually trustworthy? There's a verse that's going to come up on the slide behind me. It's Psalm 62, verse 7 through 8 that says this. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Man, when I read that verse, it sure sounds like someone who's not worried. Trust in him at all times. Not some of the time, not when I feel like it, not just with my eternity, not just with part of the things. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart to God, your worries, your fears, Because what does it say? God is our refuge. God is trustworthy. It's not what he does. It is who he is. He's deserving of our confidence. How do we know that God is trustworthy? Let me give you three reasons this morning, okay? Three reasons why God is trustworthy. Here's the very first one. God has been faithful before. God has been faithful before. There's this theme that continues all the way through the Old Testament. It comes up in Genesis. It shows up in Exodus and Deuteronomy. It shows up in the Psalms. It shows up in all the minor prophets. This theme is repeated time and time and time again. And the theme is simply this. Remember. Exodus 13, Moses said this to the people as they're about to be delivered from being enslaved to the Egyptians. Here's what it says. It's going to be on the screen. Exodus 13, verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, Commemorate, remember this day, the day you came out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, because the Lord brought you out of it with a mighty hand. Eat nothing containing yeast. Moses said to his people, remember this day. Look back on this day. Don't forget what happened on this day. But it wasn't by Moses' strength or the people's strength, but by the powerful hand of the Lord who brought you out of this place. Remember the fact that you cried out for mercy and God heard our cries. Remember that God delivered you from the most powerful ruler on the face of the earth by ten miraculous plagues. Remember the fact that you got to go through the Red Sea, that you were not stopped by water, that God parted the water, you crossed on dry land. And God stopped the most powerful military force on the earth in their tracks. Remember that you got in the wilderness, God led you by cloud, by day, and fire by night. Remember that when you were thirsty, God provided water. Remember when you were hungry, God provided manna for you to eat. Remember what? Remember that God has been faithful before. Remember that God is trustworthy because he's done it before. 
God can do it again. If he's done it before, he certainly can do it again. It's why the Israelites actually had this practice. Anytime God would do something significant, they would pile up stones. They would build a memorial to remember. Do you remember Jacob? He wrestled with that heavenly figure on the riverbank. When Moses went and got the Ten Commandments, they piled up stones so that what? They could remember. When they walked by that place, they would remember what God has done. How do we know that God is trustworthy? Remember that he's been faithful before. Friends, what are the piles of stones in your life that, you're, that remind you of God's faithfulness? Maybe it's when he radically transformed your life when you entered into a relationship with him. See, we all have a story where God provided a way where there was no way. My, my former church, there was a wad of checks I can remember in my top drawer. And we would pray, okay, God, we need the offering to be this just so that we could pay the checks. And guess what God did? He provided. I remember that God has been faithful before. How do you know God is trustworthy? God has always been faithful. Here's the second one. God is faithful today. God is faithful today. See, God led the Israelite people to the edge of the promised land, to the doorstop, the doorstep of the place that they desired to be. Joshua, one of their leaders, stands up before the people and says this to them in Numbers 14, verse 9. It'll be on the screen. Do not rebel against the Lord. Don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. Maybe this morning we need to understand what Joshua understood. That success is not dependent upon what we see. Our success is not dependent on the size of the opposition. Our success is always dependent on the presence of the Lord in our lives. And here's the good news of Jesus. At the start of the book of Matthew, it says this, Behold, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call that son Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus' last word to his disciples said this, And surely I, Jesus, will be with you always, even until the very end of this age. The good news of Jesus is what? That he's with us. It's not that every single time that we get in a difficult situation, God pulls us out of that situation. It's that every single time that he will enter that situation with us. How do we know that God is faithful? How do we know that God is trustworthy? He's been faithful before and he's faithful today. God's faithfulness is not dependent on the absence of our problems, but on the presence of God in our life. Let me tell you a little story, and you're going to have to use your imagination with this. Do you remember when you were a kid? Maybe you were five or six or seven years old. Your parents would tuck you in at night. They would turn off the light, 
And 38 seconds later, you would show up back in the living room and you'd say, I can't go to sleep. I need a drink of water. And they would say, okay, go get a drink of water, go back to bed. And you'd go back to bed and 36 seconds later, you'd show back up in the living room and you'd say, I can't go to sleep. I'm not tired. And they'd say, go back to bed, and you would go back to bed, and then 34 seconds later, you would show back up and you would say, I can't go to sleep, I hear noises. And eventually, eventually you would hope that you'd wear them down long enough that they'd get to the point where they would say, do you want me to come and lay down with you? And you'd walk back to your room And you would get in the bed and they would tuck the covers in extra tight around you and they would lay down on on top of the covers next to you. And friends, nothing changed. Nothing about your situation changed, but everything changed because there was someone who was trustworthy who was with you. Friends, how do we know that God is trustworthy? We know that God is trustworthy because he's been faithful before. We know that God is trustworthy because he's been faithful today. And the third one, we know that God is trustworthy because God will be faithful tomorrow. So God led the Israelites to the edge of the promised land. He had been faithful before. He was with them. Did they trust him? Did they go in? No, they didn't trust God. How do we know that they didn't trust him? Because trust is not something that we have. Trust is a verb. It's what you and I do. And they didn't step into the promised land. And here's what blows me away about all of this. The end of the story was already written. Genesis chapter 12, God called Abram and said, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the entire world. I'm going to give you this land where you will be my people. Right before the spies are sent out to scout the promised land. Here's what God says to them in Numbers 13, 1 and 2. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I've promised to them. Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. The end of the story is already written. This is the promised land. My people are going to live in it. All you have to do is step into it. And they didn't want to. When I read that story, I feel a lot more comfortable with myself. How dumb can those people be? He was faithful before. He's faithful today. He'll be faithful in the future, yet I still don't trust him. Friends, the end of the story has already been written. I can see God's faithfulness already in the past. I see God's faithfulness in the future. And I can see God's faithfulness at the end. See, Revelation chapter 21, we're almost at the end of the book. It says this in verses 3 through 5, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, open your eyes. God's dwelling place is now among his people. He'll dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. I love verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. There's no mourning. There's no crying. There's no pain. 
For the old way of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. Write these things down. These words are trustworthy and true. I love this. John, the author, is saying, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people. He wants to dwell with us. He'll wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no more death, no mourning, no pain, no crying. Some of you are saying this or going this. You know what? That's awesome, and I believe that, but is God trustworthy? I can see his faithfulness in the past. Yes, I I know he's faithful because he's been with me today. But I'm still worried about that thing. What about it if it doesn't happen the way I want it to? I love this in Isaiah 46, verse 4, where the author pens this, I am he. I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you. I will carry you. I will sustain you and rescue you. But Matt, what about that thing that I'm worried about? Here is the decision that we have to make this morning. When we trust God, we trust God. Jesus in John chapter 14 said, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus is saying to each one of us, I am trustworthy. I've been faithful before. I'm faithful today because I'm with you and I'll be faithful in the future. So, I have a question for you this morning. Not what keeps you up at night, but what are you holding on to? Let's pray. God, it is a tough question for us to wrestle through. What are we actually holding on to? It is interesting that all the way back in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, we still find ourselves sitting in the garden trying to answer that question of, do you trust God? We look at that tree. We look at the things in our life that distract us. We look at the competence that we have or lack of competence that we have. And we want to cling to you, but it's hard to cling to you when we feel like we've got to solve it ourselves. And so God, give us the ability to actually live without worry. Thank you that you've been faithful in the past, that you're faithful today, and that you'll be faithful in the future. God, if I said anything that wasn't of you, take it from my friends' minds. If you used me in a small way to encourage my friends, may it be the Holy Spirit that prompts, guides, and leads. We love and adore you. We ask all this in your name. Amen.